All right. What? You gonna introduce us? What? Or are you gonna look around? What? Uh, welcome, you guys, listener, you beautiful soul on the other end of this mi- microphone or demon. No, let's not. Let's not even. <laughs> let's not even. Everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Thirteenth Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we're here to talk about things that are weird and today exceptionally creepy. Well, yes, some of us. Yes. Oh God, he's already dropping hints. <laughs> no, for, just for all of you listening, uh, we often don't know what topic Alex chooses, and he's been very secretive this time, so we don't have a clue. Oh well, you guys, how have you been? It's <laughs> been a week since we recorded. James, James, have you overcome your flu bug? I have. I, I got just the slightest hint of a cough still, but it's pretty much just gone. I'm very happy. Oh, I'm happy to hear it, James. We've been <laughs> drinking lots of tea. Oh, yeah. Lots of tea and lots of popsicles. Lots of popsicles. popsicles. Can't go wrong with popsicles. I forget that you like popsicles so much. Right. Well, if you have a sore throat, it's like the best. Yeah. What's your favorite flavor? Uh, There's like a pomegranate grape combo that they have at Flippin' Kroger. Oh, it's so good. Fancy pants over there. Yeah, yeah. like that $5 popsicle. <laughs> I just like the, the banana flavor. Yeah, those I mean, are yeah good. banana's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you, did you know, and I saw this on something, that artificial banana flavor is like what bananas used to take, taste like? Uh, yeah, I've actually been looking for a, uh, oh shoot, what's it, San Michelle banana forever for that reason. Man. I thought I they were extinct. One. They're not. They, they, they almost went extinct, but they exist. It's just real hard to come by. Sounds like we're going to have to go poach some. Yeah, well, (laughs) James, if you come across one, you better get me one, too. Will do. Uh, James, you have an icebreaker for us, correct? I do. All right. You know, all this talk about demons makes me think of the, the notorious story of Robert Johnson. You know, he went to a crossroads and met the devil, and he invented rock and roll because the devil gave him that talent. Before then, he was... His music was floundering, and it got me to thinking. Now, granted, I don't think either of you are in the market to sell your immortal souls, but if you did go to a crossroads for such a bargain, what would be be your motivation? What would you sell your soul for or consider? James? (laughs) James, I am not even going to entertain this idea. No, it scares me. I remember when I was when I was in middle school, we had to write a paper that yeah. was similar to this, and I thought, really? I thought, why is my middle school teacher making me write about what I would sell my soul for? Because she wanted to make you a deal. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can't see me right now. I've got a piece of parchment and a quill dipped in blood right now. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Mm, uh, you're not answering it. I, I it's too scary. It well, scares maybe, me. Maybe oh like my a, gosh. Maybe like. An unlimited amount of nerds ropes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. <laughs> no, I thought that's what you were saying. You that. know, I've got a nerds rope in my car right now that mm. you could totally eat. Let's make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? Hmm, I think indestructibility. Indestructibility. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Right, here's the thing. Here's the problem with that, James. At least that I have. So. Uh-huh. 
you're indestructible. Yep. But that's not immortal. So you still probably die in about 60, 70 Ooh, years. Right? Good. See, see, Alex, you're you're thinking like the devil here. You're trying to monkey claw me. So <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed your indestructibility for that 60 years because I got you the rest of the time, Jack. Right? Oh, man, you got me. <laughs> Lord. What about you, Alex? I don't know. This is... Ooh. You guys legitimately are, are answering this like I am the literal devil and I'm going to make a deal with you. Wow. You, uh, the, I can't. Uh. Here's the here's the thing. I, you know what? I would maybe do it to save someone's life. Uh, very selfless. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Huh. All right. <laughs> Cece's looking at me like, oh, great. Well, Listener, if you haven't picked up, we're talking about demons this week. I can't remember who who recommended this topic. I think it was Andy F. Mm. I think it was, oh man, Andy R. I think it was H. Andy, I know you're listening. Sorry, Andy. Thank you so much we for submitting you. this topic. It <laughs> has scarred me for life. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna? Oh no, I was gonna say, gonna say, you guys. We have a listener in Hawaii. So nice. I just, I'm very excited about that. This and I just want to thank goal everybody. Since the beginning was to have a listener in Hawaii. Yeah, Aloha in Hawaii. and Mahalo. Yeah, exactly. And if you know anybody in Alaska, you guys, if you have friends in Alaska, <laughs> tell them too, because I'd like to see Alaska pop up on our radar as well. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would, be cool. that would make me happy. Yeah. And yeah. you can write us and tell us about how scary it is when it's like dark. <clears throat> Half yeah. the year and then light half the year. Oh yeah. Please. Oh, I've always wanted to know what Tell that's like. Tell us if uh thirty days of night is an accurate representation of what happens in Alaska. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, listeners, I just I just want to get this out at the very beginning because I know I'm gonna forget at the end. I always do. If you enjoy our podcast, I hope that you will rate, review, and subscribe. Because why not? Yeah. You know what I mean? It helps us out. We don't know really understand how it works, but well, we just came off of one of our best weeks ever. Yes. And we have all of you to thank. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. If you yeah. have any topics you want to send to us that you want us to talk about, if you want to hear James talk about something that's just really crazy, but <laughs> you're really interested in it, send it to us. You can follow 13th Floor on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. Man, we're doing this early. Yeah, I'm getting it done. I'm getting it over <laughs> with. Uh, I'm sure at the very end of this topic, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be ready to just go curl up and eat some ice cream. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Or send them to us at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Demons. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is going first? We didn't really talk about this. We didn't hash this out. All right. Well, mine's not horrifying. Go first, mine's, <laughs> Go. Oh, you want to end on a dark note, huh? Yeah. He want, he wants Demons, come on. <sighs> you're right. You're right. All right. Alex, you go first, then I'll go, and then and then James will wrap, wrap us up. Cece will remove the headphones from her head. And yeah, I'm going to plug my ears during your entire <laughs> segment, I'm James. excited to listen to James. <sighs> I'm excited to listen to James. I'm just not excited about his topic. And Well, you know what he's doing, don't you? Yeah, I know he, what he's doing. He's doing a live possession where he possesses no. himself on his body. <laughs> no, do not. You do not want to dabble with demons. All right, Alex, kick us off. All right, everybody. Okay. I'm doing some old, old demons, but not super old. Now, I'm not doing like a succubus, but I'm doing something like maybe something from the Bible. 
or something like like the biblical demons. Yeah, mm. or a little before, a little maybe some Jewish demons. Mazel tov. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the first one I want to do, and maybe fo- and just focus on is a Belphegor, uh. and he originated as his name. I guess his name in the Bible was Kimok. Mm-hmm. Good lord. So I just see, don't like these names. I haven't even read hardly at all. Just keep going. Keep going. I, I could see someone now naming their kid Bel- Belphegor. I, yeah. I know I actually could too. <laughs> if I remember, I think there's a metal band called Belphegor. Uh, there is a song. Yeah, there is. Yep. I was like, I, I, their music videos came up when I was searching them. Nice. And he has also, I guess he's the Motavish god of whom the Israelites became attached in Shittim. Which is numbers twenty five three. I don't know. It's old. That's what you need to know. He was <laughs> and he was associated with promiscuity and orgies. So pretty, pretty cool, fun things. Oh, I, was- I guess. Uh, well, golly, <laughs> it was worshipped. He was worshipped, and the thing that they used to worship was uh, very uh, manly shaped. <laughs> I guess okay. is the way to say it. And uh, <laughs> you can say phallus. Phallus. Because men are the devil. I just didn't know if Cece would edit me for phallus. <laughs> yeah, but, no. Yeah, but but the thing they worshipped was like phallus shaped, which is like uh, the that shape appears in the Bible a couple times, <laughs> and some of the times that happens, it's a re- it's mentioning him. <laughs> when okay. Something that shape. So when he's summoned, usually. Uh, when not associated with the his Jewish origins, usually when he's uh, summoned, he bestows upon you knowledge. Yeah. And the exchange is, is that he gives you the power of discovery and he gives you a really good idea for an invention. So yeah. you can make a lot of money. And so these people pretty much get wealth without earning it, which has earned him a place as one of the seven deadly sins of sloth. Sloth. Yeah. Being a lazy butt. Oh. That's right. So he's one of the seven princes of hell. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, he helps these people make these discoveries and make easy money. And then, bing, bang, boom, see you in 50 years. Let's have some fun. Party time. Mm. <laughs> so, the the weird, he's got some weird, like, caveats, though, right? He's also been deemed the ambassador to France. The ambassador nice. to France? By the devil, which is odd. Okay, whatever. And he's also been, uh, It's all, he's also stronger in April. So for some reason, April, April. showers bring demon flowers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's bizarre. He's got these weird caveats, and he's not documented a ton, really. <laughs> so he's got like all these like weird things that are associated with him that I'm scratching my head at a little bit. But one of my the reason the real reason that I picked him, if I'm just going to be honest, is the way that you have to summon Belphegor. <laughs> and just so we're clear, what you're referencing is the Goetia, aka the Lesser Key of Solomon. Just so everybody knows, that's the book for summoning demons, the seventy-two demons. Oh, so, okay, yeah. okay. There's a book. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so what you do for Belphegor? Go take a poop. <laughs> <laughs> What? Yeah, so the cool thing about Belphegor is you don't even have to sacrifice anything for him. You just use your poop. You just... 
<laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah, you just use your excretions to summon him. So it's like, you know, you don't have to sacrifice a goat to meet the guy if you're really into it. Hmm. But Cece's like... I just don't like it. <laughs> There's no blood involved. I don't, I don't even care. It's a pretty nice deal. I think I associate demons with a lot of blood. And so... Belphegora kind of shows up in a physical form. Two different ways when he shows up on Earth. He shows up as a beautiful woman. And he shows up as like this bearded demon with horns. And he's like, he, he, I think he looks more like a sloth from the drawing that typically goes around. Which yeah, that's from sense. the lesser yeah. key. Yeah. Ah, okay. And so he typically, he typically takes the form of the woman so he doesn't draw attention when he's on Earth. Yeah. But... You know, there, the, my, that, I guess the lesser key, that picture of him is him sitting on a toilet and he's got the adventure. Is that, is that the right thing? I think so. I think you're right on that. I never really <laughs> yeah, thought about it. I, I thought he's it was sitting on a, a chair, toilet but... and he's got like a, he's got like a wheel and something else around him. Yeah. I yeah. think that might be the lid. <laughs> <laughs> it just... could be. It could be. I'm just, I'm just like I'm, aghast You're just sighing. This. this podcast is just going to be CC sighing nonstop <laughs> over everything. Hmm. <laughs> So another interesting thing about Belphicor is that his legend is really weirdly tied to what I think is a piece of fiction from the 60s. But James, you might be able to correct me on this, actually, since you sound like a big Belphegor fan. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> he's got a foam finger at home that says Belphegor number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Belphegor was sent from the underworld by the devil, or... Some say, I guess, Pluto, which is probably the same thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was sent from the underworld to Earth because there was a rumor going around that there was such a thing as a happy marriage. <laughs> so the demons had all heard this rumor. And so Belfragor got sent up thinking that, to, wanting to see if there was such a thing as a happy marriage. And when he got up there, his goal was to find a happy marriage or he had to roam like he had to roam the earth. Well, turns out Belphegor kind of found something that he expected. There is no such thing as a happy marriage. <laughs> and so Belphegor still walks among us. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, it's funny that you asked if it was from the sixties uh, or did I mishear you? No, he said I 60s. I think I said 60s, okay. didn't I? Well, it's, it's from the the 14th century. It's from, actually, Machiavelli. You know, the prince. See, I was looking... Uh, let's see. For some reason, the thing I was looking at was a reference, a 1960s... Uh, it was probably a story that Belphegor was involved in uh, from the 60s. I deleted uh, the name of the book. Uh, no worries. It was probably an adaptation or interpretation of Machiavelli's book. It probably book. is. Yeah, he wrote a story back in the day called Belfagor, Arte Diavolo. And it's, it's exactly <laughs> what you described. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I like that better that it's older because now it doesn't feel as fake. <laughs> but I did my other thing with... This is very brief, but I just wanted to drop knowledge on everybody, including our audience. And we're all going to have a new understanding of a common phrase or word. Oh, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's involved with Azazel, which there uh, is debate on whether he's a demon or a devil and whether yeah. those things are really the same. But I think you all will both appreciate what I have to say. James probably already knows. I 
forget that he's a James fan. knows everything. Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. So, have you all ever heard of the term scapegoat? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> James, unimpressed. Sorry. Unimpressed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, Cece, do you know where the term scapegoat comes from? No. So, the term scapegoat comes from the idea that, like, all of a community will put it, its sins, like, symbolically into a goat. Mm-hmm. And then they'd send it out, off into the wilderness. And I guess uh, Azazel would go get a hold of them and toss them off a cliff or kill it or something. Yeah. And there goes the sins of the community because they put it with a goat, a scapegoat. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really where the whole goat diabolical association started, too. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're welcome, metalheads. Yeah, that's that's where it comes from. <laughs> Comes from Azazel. Interesting. See, well, now you learned something. New I learned today. lots of new things. Mm. Yes, yes. You're more knowledgeable. Yeah, here I am. I guess you gotta go next, huh? I guess I gotta go next. Let me pull up my computer. Beep boop beep boop beep boop. Why are you getting ready already? You're shaking. Over I was there? listening You're to you. I was nervous. giving you my full undivided attention. No such thing as a happy marriage, they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, demons. Why are you breathing so heavy? <laughs> you you guys know how I feel about this stuff. So, this was actually a very difficult topic for me to look into. Okay. Just because it scares me so much. So, I tried to find something that didn't have to do with possessions or anything like that. Because ugh, and I've been having really vivid, real dreams lately. And it's like, that's the last thing I want to think about before I go to bed, which is terrible because that's what James is talking about. So I'm probably still going to be thinking about it. So I got my research from several different sites, a blog by a guy named Jason Colavito that was published this year. So this is like newer information, several articles on mysterious universe by a guy named Nick Redfern, who actually wrote a book on this topic and also a website called denofgeek.com. So seriously, this story is kind of all over the place because, and and the timeline's kind of jumbly because jumbly. Yeah. Jumbly. Well, there were a lot of different like resources that I looked at and it didn't, the timeline wasn't 100% clear. So like some of them like, Oh, this happened decades ago. And then there are other things that made it seem like it was a lot sooner than that. So I don't know. Mm. But essentially at the core of my topic is the idea that several people claim that some people within the U.S. government are convinced that UFO activity has nothing to do with aliens, but instead has to do with, quote, non-human entities, which some people also refer to as demons. Oh. Yes. What if aliens don't exist? What if it's just the devil's minions? Okay. So let's begin with a guy named Luis Elizondo. His name popped up across several of my sources, but per Den of Geeks, he claims the U.S. government created these two little programs at some point in time. Again, the timeline is just a big old squiggly line in my brain, but they created the Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Applications and the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Elizondo apparently told this to the New York Times, I believe, and he claims that he was the former head of one of the projects. One of the programs allegedly studied UFOs, while the other looked at all things paranormal, including demonic activity. But Elizondo claims that that specific program got shut down by Christian conservatives within the military 
because they feared their research would accidentally summon the devil and the demons. <laughs> and you guys know what I say. Don't dabble with demons. <laughs> Just don't do it, James. So, have you guys ever heard of Robert Bigelow? No, I've heard of Deuce Bigelow. May I take a look? <laughs> Robert Bigelow. I thought maybe James would have heard of him, but he's a pretty prominent businessman. But he's also highly intrigued by all things paranormal. And he created an organization in 1995 called the National Institute for Discovery Sciences that looked into all things odd. But according to Den of Geeks, the U.S. government approached Bigelow at some point because they wanted to kind of check out his studies with him hmm. on his terrifyingly named property. And James, I feel like you've heard of this, but the Skinwalker Ranch. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you hear that yeah. gas? I heard it. It's scary. There was like a slight quiver inside that gas. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Dang. Yeah, so, yeah, Bigelow owned Skinwalker Ranch for some time, but it's in Ballard, Utah, and it's known for lots of odd paranormal activity and UFO phenomena. There are apparently lots of cattle mutilations and stuff like that that happen on the property. Oh, Bigelow bought the property for research. I think on Wikipedia it said he bought it for $200,000, which doesn't seem like that no, much. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, that was in 1995 or something, and then yeah, he I mean, sold it's like 500 it 2016. acres, too. That's flipping nuts. That's a steal. Yeah. Probably sold his soul for it. He's a... <laughs> <laughs> well, he sold it in 2016 to a corporation. No, nobody knows what they do, at least not that I could find, but it's called Adamantium Holdings. What? Ooh. So in my brain, when I saw that, it just made me think like they've got a- um, Weapon X program. Yeah, they've got the Weapon X program going on there. And they've got somebody in a little tank of the water where they put all the adamantium in the bones. <laughs> like Wolverine. Yeah. I loved that X-Men movie. Okay, anyways- but the run, one researcher that worked at the ranch was a biochemist named Mr. Colm Keller. And he wrote a book about the ranch with an investigative journalist named George Knapp. But in the book, they talk about an experience these two other researchers had while they were on the land. And it was very early one morning. It was like 2.30 a.m. And they were watching over the ranch from a little bluff, just kind of kind of minding their own business, getting ready to go home. When all of a sudden, out in the distance, they see this little light appear, and they're like, well, what the heck is that? And they keep watching it, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they claim it looked like it was a tunnel that was reaching down to the ground. And then out popped a giant creature that had no face. It was black. It ran off into the woods, and that was that. Well, if it was all black, it would have been hard to see its face anyway. So maybe it had a face and I couldn't see it. It, it may be. It's like I don't Louise. Know. When we but take a picture still... of Louise, you can't even see her face half the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Louise, our dog, is black. But you you don't know. And it came out of a giant tunnel on the ground. Yeah. So that's mm, spooky. That's a bit spooky, right? Yeah. So lots Very. of weird things happen at Skinwalker Ranch. So in 2007, an official with the, uh, I think, it, I can't remember the specific name it's dia is that defense intelligence agency james i think so yeah they decided to make a trip to skinwalker and this guy experienced something that just blew his mind i don't have details on specifically mm. what it was but it's it blew his mind so much that he reached out to uh what <laughs> what nothing just, uh, alex about to make a dirty joke alex make a dirty joke but the Den of Geeks claims that Senator Harry Reid actually helped get funding for the project. The DIA guy came back and said, whoa, we have to go there and look into this. Mm -hmm. And it, 
Senator Harry reads kind of into UFOs. So okay. the guy was like, hey, we need to go out there and study stuff. And Henry Reed helped get funding. And next thing you know, the DIA is doing research at Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Interesting. And yeah, and I want to read a quote from the Den of Geeks article on why Elizondo claims the research was shut down. At Skinwalker, it says, quote, certain senior government officials thought our collection of facts on unidentified aerial phenomena was dangerous to their philosophical beliefs. Mm. Elizondo wrote in a post on Medium, they decided the data was a threat to their belief system, end quote. Wow. So, yeah, apparently some of these government officials were like, hmm, this doesn't like aliens are trying to lead us astray from, you know, well, you know, Aleister Crowley believed that uh, he drew a demon that he was in contact with, and it looked just like the Greys, just like aliens. Oof. Yeah. And you know what a skinwalker is? I don't want to know what a skinwalker okay. is, but you tell us, at James. Some point, tell we, us. At some point, I figured we'd do an episode on them, actually. Um, I figured, well, too. In the Navajo belief system, like certain people, and the, you see something similar called a Diablero in Mexico, um, can shapeshift, can turn into animals. And, you know, it, there's something diabolical about them. I mean, even the name Diablero, think about that. That's like a devil man or something. Yeah. And I actually wrote a horror movie about skinwalkers. So, uh, yeah. So that's how, like, into them I am. But uh, what <laughs> disturbs me even more than, like, all the paranormal stuff is actually adamantium. Uh, holding. Really? Yeah. Here's, here's, here's a few things that don't make any sense. We don't know who's running it. They only have two people on their uh, employment roster. They they bought, uh, or uh, yeah, they bought uh, Skinwalker Ranch for four and a half million, but they only make eighty k a year. So this is kind of oh. weird. Yeah, what that? There's a lot of there's not a lot of info about this company. It's like flipping umbrella or something. Yeah, that's why I I couldn't find hardly anything on them. Yeah, Ooh. it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, James is James is terrified. Look at him <laughs> sitting on the other side of his microphone, just going. Okay, (laughs) so let's talk about this guy, Nick Redfern, Mm -hmm. and he is a contributor for the Mysterious Universe, which Mm -hmm. I really like. Alex likes that website, too. Yeah, it's a good website. Uh, But he's also the one who wrote the book that semi has to do with demons, and I haven't read the book, I'll be honest, because number one, if I ordered it, it wouldn't have come in time, and number (laughs) two, if I'm going to read something before bed, which is the only time that I read, (laughs) it sure as heck is not going to be about demons. Yeah. You hear me? When yeah. I go to bed, James, I want to read about rainbows and butterflies and ice cream <laughs> pies. If it's not about those three things, I'm, I'm not doing it. Which yeah. is why you never read. I've never seen you read a book on ice cream pies. I would love a book on ice cream pies. <laughs> but Nick Redfern, he read, the, his book is called Final Events and the Secret Government Group on Demonic UFOs and the Afterlife. Hmm. Hmm. Long title, but... Pretty straightforward. You know what it's about. You have a de- an idea where I'm going with this, you guys, don't you? Uh, aliens or demons? Demons. Okay. Yeah. So Redfern apparently did years of research on this government group called the Collins Elite. James, have you ever heard of the Collins Elite? Mm, that's not ringing a bell. I couldn't find much information on them unless you search like Collins Elite devil UFO stuff. Mm. But... Redfern says that that's probably a nickname for the group. Nobody really knows what the group is, but it's comprised of the small group of government officials who, for decades apparently, have researched, quote, non-human entities, Mm -hmm. things like the human soul, kind of more spiritual stuff. Well, 
there's this guy named Ray Bosch. I think that's how you say his last name. Mm. Whom he basically inspired Redford's book. Per Redfern, Bosch is a priest and a UFO researcher. But he met this Bosch guy, and Bosch was like, back in 1991, I met some government officials, Department of Defense, who were part of the Collins elite. And they say UFOs aren't really aliens at all, but rather demons who fabricated all these UFO claims and are perpetuating their ideas <laughs> because they want to manipulate and deceive us. Again, Crowley. That's that's what he claimed. There were a lot of things that I actually, Crowley and then uh, a guy Parsons, another- mm. uh, Alan Parsons? Parsons? the actor. It was a, a yeah, a, a, an occultist. Yeah, Alan Parsons, the, the rocket builder. Yeah, they popped up a lot in my research. Yeah, Parsons did. and um, who's the guy who created Scientology? Uh, Hubbard. Parsons and Hubbard, man, they did a lot of weird stuff together. I'll, I won't get into it right now, but woo-hoo-hoo. They've got episodes in the future. Yeah. Well, apparently when the government was doing this secret research trying to contact non-human entities, they were successful is what these, these uh, sources that Bosch met said mm. but after doing so some really weird things started to happen to the researchers like mm. lots of bad luck so some started experiencing poltergeist like activity at home some people fell mysteriously ill mm. um some and i'm not sure if it's the researchers or, or their families but there were reported deaths so it was lots of bad scary stuff that was happening and the researchers were kind of like does this have to do with our research nice mm. yeah it's like I think that the goal was to contact non-human entities and to use them to like build weapons, like make like mind control weapons. Oh, that's kind of the plot of Doom. (laughs) Oh, maybe in one of Redfern's articles, he mentions that the uh, the non-human entities were summoned by the military by carrying out ancient rituals and rites and stuff, which opened up on Mars. It would be gateways that should have never (laughs) been opened. Yeah, I don't. It made me think back on the Montauk project where they like open up that tunnel and the, the Demogorgon came in, the Stranger Things is like, ugh. <laughs> He's really just a demon. Could be. But a direct a demon gorgon. A demon gorgon. <laughs> well, a direct quote from an article Redfern wrote for Mysterious Universe about why some believe alien activity is actually demons in disguise. Quote Reportedly, it's a camouflage that helps the alleged demonic ones referred to by those in the know at the Pentagon as non-human entities to get their grips into us and lead our souls not only astray, but into enslavement and even some strange form of recycling and wait for it, digestion. Uh, For the Collins elite, the human soul is energy and fuel for the NHEs in much the same way that the human body is fuel for the machines in the Matrix movies, end quote. Oh. Freaky. It made me think of back to like, you know, if we're supposed to be food, the human soul's food, it made me think back to lizard people, which lizard people, some of them are said to look like greys. And James, you said that Crawley drew a picture of a demon and it looked just like an alien. Yep, just like a grey. I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. So anyways, that's really all that I have, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Uh, I want to read Redfern's book just to see what he has to say because I actually do think it'd be really interesting. It's just I can't read it at night. But mm-hmm. have you read his uh, biography? 
where the red fern grows. I knew it. Oh, you just... oh man. I was like, don't say where they the were... red fern grows. <laughs> then sure enough. Oh, I will say that red fern, he was very active. There were lots of sites that like mentioned him and then people would comment in the comments and say, oh, this guy's crazy. And the red, red fern's like, no, this is why I think what I think. So he was very, uh, he's very active still to his day talking about the things that he wrote about in his book. Mm. But hmm. yeah, he actually, because a lot of people think that Ray Bosch made up the fact that he met these two people from the Department of Defense who claimed that they were part of the Collins elite. But he said that he thinks that Bosch is being honest and it's not a hoax because he never tried to really perpetuate this idea and get it into the public. Like, he kept it all very close to himself. And usually when someone's mm-hmm. carrying out a hoax, they want everyone to know about it. They're going to try and get it out anywhere they can. <laughs> so I did think that that was kind of an interesting point. Yeah. Do I bl- do I believe all of it? I have no idea. I don't know. But I think it's interesting to think about. <laughs> very strange. Very. <sighs> Now, James, it's your turn. All right. Our dreams. Yeah. yeah, I'll start with something just a little lighter, um, which is just uh, <laughs> I uh, elaborated that I have a video about the difference between demons and dibbocks, and I won't go too in-depth on it, but you know, maybe we'll, we'll link it when we do some social media posts. Um, but I think it's important to note that there's a difference between a demon and a dibbock. Whenever we talk about demons throughout this episode, we are talking about what actually is the Hebrew word dibbock. And if you look at most other traditions where demons exist, they're positive. They're ancestor spirits or like, you know, uh, spiritual beings that are not harmful. They usually help people out. In fact, if you were to actually look at the etymology of demon versus dibbock, you would see that a guardian angel in every culture previously before like the, the Abrahamic tradition uh, spread around the world was a demon. So a guardian angel and a, and a demon are the same thing, roughly. There's nothing wicked or diabolical about it. That being said, once Christianity spread to uh, Rome, people started confusing the two words. They started confusing dibbock, which is an evil spirit, with demon, and it it just kind of superseded each other, which is a shame because demon has the same root word as uh, muse or genius. Like the idea, it it goes hand in hand with what you were talking about, Alex, about how uh, Belphegor would would give you knowledge. Originally, like if you thought up a song or thought up an invention, that came from demons, but not in the scary, spooky, diabolical sense. It came from demons in a good way. So I just think that's important to note because I think a lot of times people, especially in more fundamentalist circles, they hear about demons in the Greco-Roman tradition, in the uh, Proto-Indo-European tradition, and they think it's diabolical, but it's not. It's actually very positive. That being said, and I think we at some point we got to do a whole episode about the Goetia because I won't cover it right now. Instead, I'm going to talk about possession. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and who who better to talk about with uh, who better to reference rather than the Warrens? You know, the, the famous demonologists that have been really popular lately because of a series of movies inspired by them. So one thing that we could look at is what oh, really are they the ones that inspired the Conjuring films? That's exactly right, Alex. The Conjuring. Okay. Yeah. So one thing we can look at is how do you know somebody's possessed and not just 
crazy? That would be a good question. So what do you guys think? What, what would what would determine to you like, hey, I don't think this person has schizophrenia. I think this is something a little more diabolical. Well, usually like the point where they're crawling on the ceiling is like when I'm kind of <laughs> like. OK, mm. actually a great point. Uh, <laughs> e- exhibiting behavior that a person shouldn't be physically capable of doing. That's a good one. Anything else? What about you, Susie? Uh, What's your typical thing that you see that when you think of a possession? Well, it just makes me think of The Exorcist. Sure. Pea soup. Uh, yeah, yeah, lots of vomiting, and but see that stuff that could be other things too. Exactly. So, uh, really, it's like mm-hmm. the things where they're like moving their bodies in ways that they shouldn't like be able to. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, a few others, and you know, The Exorcist is a good resource actually for some of this. Uh, because Reagan exhibits a lot of these behaviors, would be speaking languages that you shouldn't normally be able to speak, like Latin or Greek or something that yeah. that's not really in fashion uh, and that the person has no history of, of speaking. And mm-hmm. having knowledge that they shouldn't ordinarily have, that's another one that we see in The Exorcist, where, where you know Reagan clearly knows a lot of things going on that a little girl should not know about, like predicting that astronaut guy's death and knowing about the priest's mother's passing, etc. So those are some things. One of the ones that fascinates me the most, though, because this is something that people around the world have learned to do, but it's a very rare skill in the West, and that is speaking with vocal cords that are normally latent and not used. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, well, we all have vocal cords that we don't really use in everyday speech. And it's in, in uh, Mongolia and Tibet and parts of, of uh, Russia, it's called throat singing. And to hear that trademark, I mean, you see it in, in possession, uh, you know, caught on tape, real possession footage is they are speaking in, in a, a frequency that is just not, ordinary it's very inhuman it's very just and i I mean again i can't even do it but they're speaking on a frequency using vocal cords that takes quite a bit of work to learn how to do and it's called polytonal singing when it's done naturally but when somebody is you know telling you blasphemies in latin in that kind of voice it's pretty good (laughs) indication that you need to call rome (laughs) so that's uh that's one of the big issues but the Warrens divide uh, possession into four parts, and I think that's very interesting that they've they really studied it almost like a science. And and some of those things that I just mentioned are things that that they look at to determine if someone's possessed. Well, they've divided it into four categories. One, each one, each phase leading to the other. And it's interesting, CC, to note that it mirrors some of the experience of the uh, folks who are investigating Skinwalker Ranch. You you mentioned that some of them started experiencing bad luck and poltergeist-like activity. Well, that's phase one. That's uh, infestation. So that's when a demonic force begins to interfere with a person's day-to-day life. They start doing things that makes the person doubt their sanity or just affects their overall psychology. So poltergeist-like behavior, rattling curtains, making mysterious noises, uh, you know, speech being heard at random intervals, things like that. That's infestation. Then you get oppression. And it's interesting how this mirrors the poltergeist uh, 
a topic we covered not too, too long ago, because poltergeist activity tends to get ramped up. Well, now oppression happens. Now a person's daily life is greatly interfered with. They're being woken up at random hours of the night or maybe specific hours with voices, threats, scary things, banging on walls, things breaking, what we would associate with revved up poltergeist-like activity. Yeah. This wears down the person psychologically and spiritually, making them ripe for the third step, possession. And that's when a person does not behave themselves. They're speaking other languages. They're speaking with their uh, vocal cords that they ordinarily wouldn't make use of. They have a knowledge that they shouldn't have. Their behavior has completely changed and they are a frightening sight to their loved ones. So that's So possession. they have to be like kind of exhausted before yeah, they can be possessed. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it, it's almost like breaking a wild horse and turning it into a tame horse. There's a, uh-huh. it's, a it's an odd, it almost reminds me of uh, domestication, you know. Uh, but in this case, yeah. you're domesticating a person for to use as a vessel. And uh, it's also interesting to note that the Warrens claim that, that demons can't actually inhabit objects that it's really just a psychological ploy to weaken a person and make them associate the demon with said object so they can possess them. Now that there's things that mixed mixed opinions on that. Not everybody agrees with the warnings on that, but I think it's interesting to note that that's their perspective on it. And after possession occurs, if it's allowed to continue and that person is completely driven nuts, the, uh, the end goal of the demon, the fourth stage is death at which point the person succumbs entirely to the demon and the demon can collect that person's soul. Oof. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's worth noting that they really studied it almost the way a person would study an animal or a natural process. And I just really, that's something that fascinates me about the Warrens is the way they look at it, despite being uh, very uh, pronounced Christians, the way they actually go into their demonology, it's very much like, anthropology of demons rather than rather than a more uh, faith-based uh, perspective hmm. yeah very okay. interesting yeah you guys want me to talk about the goetia or you guys want to wrap things up it's up to you james i think i'll wrap things up i'll give you i'll let cc have half the nightmares that she would have <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i think i'm probably going to have some tonight yeah <sighs> all right well <laughs> Demons. <laughs> Demons, you guys. I think it was they good. Just, I, you know, this has been an interesting topic to think about. It's just, this is something that scared me a long time. I remember when I was really little, The Exorcist came on TV. It was really late at night. I probably should have been sleeping, but I watched like maybe 30 minutes of it. Mm. And I was maybe like eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ever since then. <laughs> and then I was raised in a Catholic household. Mm. So... Is something you don't mess with, yeah. you guys. Oof. It amazes me how much that movie still holds up. Like it is still, I think, the scariest it's, movie. It's just terrifying. Yeah, oh man, yeah. Exorcist still really holds up. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, I think the Goetia deserves its own episode at some point. And when we, I thought about doing the Bornless ritual, but we'll do that for Crowley's episode. Okay, we'll save we'll save some of that detail for you, listener, mm. so you can. You have something to look forward to here on the 13th Floor Podcast. The question is, what's our next episode? What is our next episode? Wait a minute. 
Let me empty it out. Let me get all of the pens out. All right. Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake, shake, shake it up. All right, draw one. Next week we are talking about spooky science. Yeah. Oh. And James, what are our topics for this episode? Because this is something that's been near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Well, it's tentative. I don't know for sure if we'll cover these specifically, but I'm thinking we will talk about um, resonance, blood computers, and consciousness uploads. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So We'll see you all gonna... in the cloud. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add to the discussion before we before alex says who does our music and i try to go to bed uh no but you know they're scary but now i know that if you're going to be possessed they have to break you down first before they can possess you so you you get a little notice yeah i don't want you get a little notice you just call up your local exorcist you're like hey bro just want to swing by real quick help me out (laughs) in that vein uh do not take magic lightly boys and girls it's not something no. that you should dabble in unless you know exactly what you're doing. And this is the thing, James. Most people don't know what no, they're they doing. No, they don't. Yeah, you can lose a lot more than an eye. Stick to uh, BB guns. Stay away. Man, from what I was reading, I was going to do one on this that's associated with Ouija boards. Yeah, don't. Mm-hmm. No. I, I have several friends who have messed around with Ouija boards, and they say it is oh, not yeah. something to be played with. Yeah. Nope. It's definitely a conduit. The question is, is it a conduit into the subconscious or someplace else? Boom, boom, boom. Who knows? Um, Alex, who does our music? Our music is Signal by Grant Cook. You can find it on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Let's let's go out in one, two, three. Keep, Keep it, it strange. Per favore, arci diavolo!